morning. Good morning. Over to you, Jamie. Good morning. Are you ready? Notebooks, Bibles, you're going to need all of that. It's so busy today. Okay, just a warning. Okay. <laughs> right, so, sorry, out of university mode. There she is. Okay, good. Yeah, Hebrews. We are doing Jesus is Greater. Uh, I'm continuing on the series. This is the third one in the series. First week, uh, Tim introduced us to Hebrews, and he encouraged us. One of the notes I made, he encouraged us to listen very carefully to the truth, and that is going to have a bearing on today. And then in week two, Tim covered Hebrews 2, and we explored the hazards of drifting in life. And today is Hebrews 3. Actually, what, what Tim just brought just a moment ago, we are the house. That's very important too. We are the house. We build the house. We work in the house. We are the house. All right, so Hebrews 3. Uh, I'm going to call this the, the title of this sermon is The Gospel of Rest. Okay? And uh, that is going to become clear as we go through. Now, there's a very important timeline that runs through with this sermon, and it's a very important timeline that runs through with Hebrews 3, okay? So um, that timeline, so I'm going to give you a heads up on that, is Hebrews is talking about Exodus, okay? So Exodus, and then uh, actually Hebrews 3 is using the second half of Psalm 95, okay? So at one end, we've got Hebrews, okay? And then we've got Psalm 95, written after Hebrew, after, um, after, sorry, one end we've got Exodus, let's get this straight, Exodus, Psalm 95, and then we've got Hebrews, and then the last thing, we've got us today. Okay, you got that timeline? Have I got that timeline? Exodus, Psalm, Hebrews, us, right? That's what we need to remember. Yeah, the writer of Hebrews is using the last half of Psalm 95, and he's effectively writing a sermon in Hebrews 3. Okay, he's quoting a psalm, and this is the Holy Spirit connecting us to the Scripture, helping us to know God deeper. And we're going to see that the struggle that the Israelites faced is the same struggle that we're facing right now. So we're going to look at that Scripture. Okay, so Hebrews 3, if you go to the next slide. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to read through this. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Later is the key word here. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And as we are his house, as Tim mentioned just a moment ago, if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay, so what we need to know in this scripture 
is that comparison between Moses and Jesus. Now, Tim's already unpacked this for us in the previous sermons, that the writer of Hebrews is writing mainly to a Jewish um, audience, okay? And Moses is considered pretty much the man, okay? So um, that comparison makes sense. But really, this is not a comparison between one person and another person. What we need to know is, is that Jesus is a completely different category. They're not even in the same league. Jesus built the house. And also, in this section here, the writer is affirming that those who hold fast their confidence and hope are proving that they are truly born again. The word confidence literally means freedom of speech, openness. And when you are free to speak, there is no fear. Okay, so if we move on, <coughs> what we're going to see is this is a heart problem. Wandering, uh, sorry, a rest for the people of God. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to, to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Wandering in the wilderness represents the experience of believers who will not claim their spiritual inheritance in Christ who doubt God's word and live in restless unbelief. You see, the Israelites, they were out of Egypt, but they were not yet into uh, Canaan. They were not yet in the promised land, God's rest. This is the wilderness. So the next slide, please. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end as it is said today if you hear my voice do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. So, um, falling away. Uh, this is the uh, Greek word. I've checked, uh, checked with Andrew. This is a Greek word, apostasy. This word is apostasy, which is turning away from God. Now, we spoke previously about drifting away, and this is much more serious uh, than just drifting. It's actually turning away from God. Um, living apart from God. But there is hope here also because it says, exhort one another every day, okay, living in community. We spent uh, time together in the prayer breakfast, praying for community yesterday morning, and community is a crucial factor in this situation. But clearly from the scriptures, what we're reading is that you can have um, good communities and bad communities. There was a community here. There were people doing life together. As we say, we need 
to our live stream, that there was things going wrong. They were moaning, they were doubting. This is a negative uh, community. So we should be living in a community that considers Jesus regularly, that exhorts one another, encourages one another, and builds each other up. That is the family, that is the house that Christ has built for us, and that is who we are. Okay, let's read a bit more in here. Okay, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So do we see what's going on here? Um, the heart of every problem in the Bible is the heart. The heart of every problem in the Bible is the heart. And in this situation, as we read on, just yeah, uh, we can see that these people, they had seen God's miracles. They'd seen the sea parted. They'd seen so much of God, and they still doubted. They still, in their hearts, had unbelief. This is very important to reflect on. Okay, so what is the moral of the story? Do you know this guy? Yeah, this is He-Man. This is He-Man. Okay, so I was very fortunate. I was a child in the 80s, and that means that I got to watch some of the most great cartoons that are ever made. Okay, now in the 80s, cartoons often had a lesson. At the end, okay, so I got to sit, um, my eight-year-old self got to sit and watch He-Man, and regularly He-Man would tell me not to take drugs, okay? So this is, this is a very useful thing, okay? Now, I've got He-Man on there because there's a moral to the story. There's a simple moral to this situation in Hebrews 3. What is that moral? Well, when you engage with sin, it hardens your heart. Okay? And if we fall away from God, we will not enter into his rest. Okay? That is the simple moral of this situation that we're reading in Hebrews 3. Okay? We need to stick to the, pro stick to the goal. We need to keep within God's rest. We need to stay on track. Okay? We need to endure all the way to the finish of the race. We know that, right? That makes perfect sense, okay? For me, in my work, I have this problem a lot with students, okay? It is now summer, okay? And that means that they're going to leave me and they're not going to keep practicing all the great things that I've taught them on their degree and they're going to forget everything, right? They're going to come back in the new academic session and they're going to make out like, I did not teach them anything. This is what we do. They need to stay on track. So I say, keep on drawing, keep on researching, keep on reading. Throughout the summer, you need to exercise these skills or you will lose them. Okay, there's a similar thing going on here in Hebrews 3. But it does get more serious. You know, it actually gets more serious in Christmas time 
with my students because they do a term and then at Christmas time, it's great because they, they've done some hard work for 10, 12 weeks and then they deserve a break at Christmas break and that's it, they go home and they forget a little bit that sometimes in Christmas, this is a very important time at university. They actually get very comfortable at home, realize how much they miss home and they don't actually come back. Okay, and that's so easy to do. That is so easy for us to do with sin and with distractions from what we should be doing if we are in the wilderness. Okay, it's so easy that we can lose uh, everything that we're trying to strive for. Okay, so let's move on again. Okay, I want to talk to you about typology. Okay, there is something more going on here. We've established with Hebrews 3 that there is a moral. And that's pretty straightforward, okay? We checked that out. The moral, the moral was that when we engage with sin, it hardens our heart, hard hearts are bad. And when we fall away from God, we do not enter into his rest. But there is more, okay? I want to talk about typology. There is more going on here in Hebrews 3. And it's really quite exciting. And it actually goes back to that timeline that we discussed at the beginning. Okay, so what is uh, typology? Well, this is, this is quite a good definition I've found that, uh, that should help. Okay, that uh, a typology is a real person or event that happened that God ordained to be a predictive pattern that points to Jesus. Okay, so um, I'll read that again. Typology is a real person or event real thing that happened that God ordained to be a predictive pattern that points to Jesus. So what typology does is it helps us to understand the truth deeply. And this echoes what Tim brought in the very first sermon for this series, which is to, to listen very carefully to the truth. We need to understand deeply what's going on here. So uh, there's a summary, uh, Augustine said, the Old Testament is the new concealed and the New Testament is the old revealed. Have you heard that before? You must have heard that before. It's a good one. Right, so the Old Testament is the new concealed. Sorry, the Old Testament is the new concealed and the New Testament is the old revealed. So we're going to get something revealed out of Hebrews 3, a pattern which is going to help us to connect with that timeline. Exodus, Psalm Hebrews, us, okay? So, how do we know this? Actually, can I get somebody to go to John 5, 44 and read what it says there, please? Okay, so, you know, you don't have to trust me. I'm going get, to get somebody else to, uh, to prove it right here. So, that is John 5, verse 44, So in my, in my translation, these words from Moses are Jesus speaking. 
and say this is what Jesus ordained. He's saying that it is him who is saying this, okay? So this actually is very encouraging for us with regards to this pattern. It is Jesus at the center of this whole thing. Okay, so let's explore that. I'm going to take it further forward just a little bit. We're going to just tiptoe a bit into Hebrews chapter 4. Okay, so therefore, while the promise of entering his rest stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. But we who have believed enter into that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he was somewhere, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day and from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter into my rest. And since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day today, saying, through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So that timeline again, Exodus, the Psalm, Psalm 95, Hebrews today. Okay, the promise of his rest still stands. We understand rest even further back in Genesis, as it is quoted at the end of seven days, God rested. We see that the uh, we see in Exodus the Israelites are rescued out of Egypt, but they have not yet entered into Canaan, God's rest. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 95. This is written hundreds of years after Moses. And Joshua has remained faithful and has entered into the promised land. But there is still a rest to be gained. So what is going on here? So I'm going to read um, from verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken to another day, would not have spoken of another day on. So when there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall, fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account. So some people read from verse 11, they read that as referring to the, the word. Uh, the, what that, what I believe that it's saying, what it's talking about is actually judgment here. <coughs> judgment of our hearts. We have a 
a soft heart willing to hear. Um, but I would encourage you, okay, this, what, what we're talking about at the beginning here is, is Joshua. But who is the great Joshua? You know that the Greek for Joshua is Jesus, okay, Jesus. Jesus is the great Joshua. He is the one who can lead us into God's presence. And I, and I, I do want to encourage you because it, it can be really tough leading your kids, asking, where is my heart at? Um, and also knowing that this judgment is no one's heart. We all know that. It's, it's tough to hear that. But I want to encourage you because if you are simply asking yourself right now, is my heart hard? Or if you desire a soft heart, I want to encourage you because that is the Holy Spirit right now. Okay, that is the Holy Spirit prompting you. And we know that if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Okay? So be confident. Now, um, I want to talk about the student uh, wilderness uh, because I know a little bit about that. Okay, so in my job, I get to guide students through three years of a degree course. Okay, and, and if those students, which is the case sometimes, if they do not trust their lecturers or do not see the purpose of their study, they tend to fall away. Their grades will fall, their attendance falls, and they do not get the desired result. Now, this is so important because next Friday is their graduation ceremony. They will see if they uh, race all the way to the end. Unfortunately, what we do know is that the group starts off at about 50, and the graduating students are now 28. Yeah, that's something. Okay. But when they believe in the subject, when they believe in the subject and when they access a community of mentors, they accomplish great things. We've got a group of students who are so excited about what they're doing, they're in, in their second year that they're helping the first years. And that just builds up that house, that builds up that community. Something that we used to do with students is something that you will have experienced in your lives is we used to do interviews. We used to do interviews for a degree course to see if they were the right students to go for, for that thing. So students used to bring a portfolio of work and a CV, and they would show off everything they could to the best of their ability to try and win a place in the degree. But we have, we have changed that. We now do uh, something quite different. Now, why have we changed that? I wanted to talk about this because this is a heart issue. And this is about sticking um, to uh, a task. Okay, and what we found is when we invited students to interviews, they, first of all, would get very stressed and nervous. Okay, so it'd be young people leaving school, wanting to go to university, and they'd be very anxious. And that would have an impact on how they communi communicated and showed their work. But also, uh, they would be applying to six universities. Normally, this is how you have worked. And, uh, and they would show you a bunch of great stuff. And their main, uh, what they were aiming for is, um, 
they're aiming for that acceptance. They're aiming for the university to say, yes, we want you, okay? But they weren't taking time to think, is this a good fit? You know, is this the subject that I want to explore? Is this a subject that I want to work every day uh, for three years, late into the night, building up all the project work to complete the degree? They weren't asking that. But they had a problem there, because students would do an interview, they'd win the interview, we'd ask them to come, and then after the first few months, they realized this wasn't the course for them. They would fall away. We're actually losing students because we were doing this interview process. I wonder what that would be like if we were interviewing Israelites and saying, yes, I saw the Red Sea parted. Yes, I've just had a nice lot of manna. Yes, blah, blah, blah. And you say, yes, but, you know, are you submitting to God? Are, do you want to be in his rest? Do you trust or are you doubting? Everything that you're doing, you're just along for the ride. This is a reality. Um, so now we do something very different. We do these things called applicant days, and we invite students to come along. We spend a day with them, and we give them a taster of the course. We spend time together. They meet other students from the course. We get to talk to them. And you know what we get to do, which makes all the difference? And it was me and the course leader that came up with this idea uh, to get rid of interviews and to do these applicant days. We get to understand their hearts, and they get to understand ours, and we can see if there's a connection there and see if it's the right course for them. And then we've got a better idea of this student is the sort of student that will carry on and do a whole three years of their life dedicated to this subject. And what we're seeing is retention is up. Students are sticking with the course because this is a heart issue. Okay, This is what's going on. Same for us. So, that's the student wilderness. Uh, let's move on. So, our wilderness. <coughs> if we do not endure to the end, this means that we are not actually saved. We read this in 1 John 2, they went out of us, they were not of us. 1 John 2.19, this is the there are people that think they are Christians and they aren't. Okay, this is in the wider church, this is the context. If you abandon your faith, if you turn your back on Jesus, it is only the saints that persevere. You did not persevere because you had a hard heart. Who died in the wilderness? It was those people that saw those miracles. It was those people who experienced the miracles of Exodus. They disobeyed, and that's important because you see that word in the Hebrews, they disobeyed. But the reason that they disobeyed is because they had hard hearts. It's because of their unbelief. When you hear the voice, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Okay? The Israelites... They were not united in faith. Okay? We need that community of exhorting one another, encouraging, building each other up. We need to keep on keeping on with this. Okay? Trust and believe. Okay, so I'm going to finish here with rest. Can you fall away from God? No. 
but this scripture is suggesting to us that we may have never been saved in the first place. This is the same theology, okay? There are three rests, I think, uh, that we need to be aware of that Hebrews 3 is talking about. Three types of rest, okay? There is a salvation rest. It's really important that we recognize that the Israelites were rescued out of Egypt, okay? They were in that salvation rest, okay? When somebody is saved, they enter into that salvation rest. But there is also another rest, which is submission rest, okay? And that is where we claim our inheritance in God. That's where we come into his rest daily, okay? Submission rest. The third rest that I will mention is God's great Sabbath, where we run through those rests. That's what we are striving towards. When you trust God, you enter into his rest. He is inviting you to fellowship with him and rest in him, in his submission rest. What is it? What is it? Today, it's called today, right? It's today. This is good news for us. If it is today, it is, I'm pretty sure it is today. And if you are hearing his voice speaking into your heart right now, you need to respond. If you don't respond, do you know what happens if you don't respond, right? You've said it, I've said it. There's a hardness that happens, okay? If he's speaking to you today, right now, respond. Because if you don't, there will be a hardening of your heart. Okay? Do you hear his voice? Respond. Do not harden your heart. Respond in belief and enter his rest. Okay? There is, a, there is, there is, there is absolute hope. Um, you know, God... In Psalm 40, uh, Psalm 40, verse 6, it talks about, um, you have dug for me an ear. This is one translation. You have dug for me an ear. God is drilling down to access you, to speak into your heart. Open, an open ear. Okay, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay, what he will give you is a new heart. This is something that we can claim on a daily basis, a new heart of flesh, a repentant heart. And that is where I will end. Now, we're going to have a response time. Um, do you want to have that alongside the wor my worship? Yeah? Um, but I really would encourage you this morning, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning and you need to respond uh, to receive prayer, I'm going to have um, Jack and John are currently going to pray for people at the back. And Alison will be joining us soon. Um, and I will be at the back. So if God is speaking to you this morning, if you hear his voice, then do respond. Enter into his rest. Thank you.